0: It's Tuesday, February 4th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill with me in studio Mr. Jason Moser.
1: Thanks for being here. Well, Mr. I mean, let's just Jason's fine. and I tell everybody, no, there's no sir. Dr. Let's, Jason no Moser. No formalities here. Doctor, Sur- I guess that's nice. I kind
0: of want Surgical like that. Doctor Jason Moser. <laughs> uh, earnings season rolls on. We've got entertainment, we've got apparel. We're going to start with Google's parent company. Alphabet is, at least for the moment, no longer a member of Club Trillion. Shares of Alphabet down 3% despite the fact that fourth quarter profits came in higher than expected, but revenue was light, Um, and so the market cap is, I don't know, only $990 billion. Do you support this? And by this, I mean the slight market sell-off. It seems a little bit like nitpicking.
1: I, well, yeah, I mean, I think it is nitpicking. I think when you look at everything together, uh, I mean, this is still. Very strong business. It's one that I own personally. It's one that I'm going to hang on to. Um, I think that for investors, this was a great quarter from the perspective. We got some more granularity in in how the company's making its money. Right? They broke out the YouTube revenue and the cloud revenue uh, for mean, the now, first time. Yeah, and I mean, you know, we always speculated how much money YouTube was making. I mean, now we know. I mean, they reached 15 billion dollars in ads in 2019. That grew 36 percent versus a year ago. It's not surprising at all, but it's just really nice to see and and I think that when you consider how the cloud business is doing, I mean the cloud business ended two thousand and nineteen at a greater than ten billion dollar run rate. that was up fifty three percent over over a year ago. now I mean to put that in context, I mean ten billion run rate for for the year I mean, Amazon just recorded ten billion dollars of a quarter in AWS. So Amazon's still really the elephant in the room. But I mean, Google is picking up share. They're they're growing a little bit more quickly. And so we had talked about that last week on Motley Fool Money. Ron mentioned, you know, hey, listen, Microsoft and Alphabet, they're they're picking up share in that space. And there's no question there. And now they've confirmed it by giving us some some more solid data with which to to go.
0: Are you surprised they broke out the cloud and youtube segments
1: i'm not i mean it, it, at some point or another you have to do that and uh, well you don't have to but don't i think have it be
0: I, I guess my question is isn't it i had two questions one is are you surprised but the other one was isn't it safe to assume that part of the reason they broke out those segments is they feel good about the growth Trajectory.
1: Yes, and I think they coupled that with the fact that quarter in and quarter out, we sit here and others everywhere around the world question this other bets and how much money is being, you know, just eviscerated in that segment of the business. And so I did notice in the call they they struck a bit of a quasi defensive tone on the other bets segment of the business. Uh, Pachai, it it was almost like he had to justify them. And I mean I understand. I mean when you look at the numbers, I mean. Look at, I mean, for the full year, other bets brought in $659 million in revenue, but <laughs> operating losses were $4.8 billion from that revenue. So, I mean, we were giving WeWork a hard time about their financials. I mean, that's nothing to really smile at either. But we also understand why they're doing that. We also understand this is a business that affords them the opportunity to do that. And so I think really breaking out the YouTube and the cloud revenue. It's a way for them to steer the conversation maybe away from the other bets and the advertising. Uh, talk about some of the other strengths of the business, and so I mean, you know, I think all things considered, uh, it, I mean, it was another encouraging looking quarter. I mean, the number of cloud deals uh, over fifty million dollars doubled from a year ago, so certainly they continue to grow that space. of customers like Activision Blizzard, Wayfair, Lowe's, among others. Uh, $120 billion in cash on the balance sheet. I mean, that's really tough to compete with. They can do a lot of fun stuff with that kind of money. Um, and they continue to repurchase shares. It was interesting, I thought. They repurchased uh, over $6 billion in shares in the fourth quarter. That was more than double what they were purchased a year ago. So clearly they're seeing some value in their own stock.
0: I agree with you about Pachai's tone with regards to other bets. I also don't begrudge him one bit because those are. <laughs> that's Larry Page and Sergey Brin's. That's their baby. Yeah, and so even if just for political reasons, he's standing up and defending the other bet segment. That's just the smart thing to do.
1: It is, and and I think I mean it, it. It's a bit of a leap of faith, but I we will see. They the got things. the money. They have the money, and they have the smarts. They have this just tremendous pool of talent. And I mean, it's it's an attractive place to be. Uh, so I mean, you have to believe. I mean, it is a bit of a leap of faith, but I I believe that over time. A lot of good things will come from that. Uh, the one question I did have I mean, I, I searched Fitbit on the call because obviously that's an acquisition they made. I think a lot of people kind of forgot about it. They thought maybe they could sweep it under the rug. Thank so you for reminding me. That can't sweep was. it under the rug because that was not a small deal by any means. The deal hasn't closed yet. But they, they only mentioned it a few times on the call. They say that it's going to add strong capabilities in wearables and it's going to. "Quote: Advance our vision of ambient computing for the Android ecosystem." End quote. And so, ambient computing is essentially just this concept that we're going to be just existing and computing is going to be happening all around us within us do I mean it's just sort of a way of life more or less it's kind of this the cyborgification of, of people more or less and so wearables is, is one more step towards that so it's an interesting future to think about but I'm going to see how they how they work that Fitbit acquisition into their business
0: Don't you think they've been watching the growth of Apple's wearable segment Sure I'm thinking
1: We could probably do that. I think there's a big opportunity there. I mean, we saw with Apple with the watch. I mean, they've tinkered around with the pricing and they've had to bring it down in order to make it attractive for the masses. And I, you know, clearly there's a market out there for people who want to wear a type of smart device that tracks fitness or or something to that to that effect. And I mean, you know, there there are plenty of people out there that prefer Android over Apple. I mean, there's a big opportunity there, and I imagine they can plug that into that big network of Android users and do something with it.
0: Sirius XM's fourth quarter, kind of a good news, bad news. They added subscribers for Sirius XM. They lost subscribers to Pandora. Uh, and just like you reminded people that Alphabet bought Fitbit, uh, for those who may have forgotten, yes, SiriusXM owns Pandora.
1: Uh, stock basically flat, and that sort of feels right to me. <laughs> yeah, it feels right to me too. I mean, there's a time ago where I really wanted to believe in this company. I thought there was a lot of opportunity there. Now I'm really not so sure. And I mean, I'll, I'll, Anecdotally, just refer to a a recent experience that I had. We, my my wife and I, we were serious subscribers for a number of years, and um, we we recently canceled all of our subscriptions. I mean, she just wasn't really using it very much, and and I I subscribed primarily to listen to, to the Stern show, and and that show to me is just not as good as it once was. I just found myself not really listening to it as much either, and it's just it's a lot of money for something I'm not really using. So. I called in to cancel and yeah, you gotta call in. That's one point of friction. Really? I'll get back to that. <laughs> so I called in to cancel. But immediately upon canceling, they said, Hey, well, we'll give it to you for half. And I was like, Okay. So then my investor brain starts thinking, you guys don't really have any pricing power, do you? And then I'm figuring if I said that to the customer service representative, she'd have just probably hit me with a big wave of silence. But the fact of the matter is, I don't think that Sirius XM really has any pricing power. I think Perhaps once upon a time they did when Stern moved over there and, and uh, he resonated a bit more with his audience. But I think he—I mean—he's going to be lost on this next generation of listeners. I mean, the next generation of listeners don't—they don't care about him, right? I mean, he's sort of had his day in the sun, so to speak, in that regard. So then they have to figure out how to make that platform attractive from a content perspective. One way they tried to do that was acquiring Pandora, which I think was a bad move. Pandora is a dying business. And if you look at the numbers, that shows Uh, monthly active users at Pandora 63.1 million at the end of the quarter versus 68.8 million a year ago. Uh, The listener hours are down. And I mean, this is. This is with Sirius being able to to, to plug them into different avenues. Uh, so for me, I, I feel like we're going to see a day where they write that Pandora acquisition down to zero. Uh, but management is saying in the call they want to maintain those two separate brands, which to me is kind of odd because when you look at Apple Music and Spotify, I mean those are the two streaming platforms. Pandora has no chance against those two, none. I, I I'm not even. None. <laughs> so I mean, I really do believe that they will write that that acquisition down to zero, um, even if they, even if they don't do it in in um, uh, such an obvious way. But uh, to me, it's just they're trying to do a lot with the platform, and in doing that, they've made it really. Uh, difficult to use from from a user's perspective. It's just not user-friendly anymore. And, and, and When you look at something like Apple Music or Spotify, those are slick platforms that are easy to use. XM is just not there. They're very late to this mobile game, and I think that's going to cost them dearly. The Pandora acquisition was an effort to try to get uh, into being a part of that, but I, I think that's a little bit uh, too little too late.
0: It's interesting from a stock perspective, because Yes, it's flat today on this report. It's up about 20% over the past year. It's a $30 billion company. So, if they're really in some sort of methodical decline, they got a ways to fall.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I don't think there's a world where Sirius goes out of business. I mean, I think there are plenty of opportunities for them to stay relevant. One of them is when they made this Pandora acquisition, you started seeing more and more talk of. Uh, an ad-supported product. And I think, to me, that seems like a really obvious lever for them to pull that could, at the very least, keep things going in the right direction. I mean, they have this tremendous installed base out there of cars with That capability. So, I mean, you can't dismiss that distribution. That's a big deal. And so, while maybe we're not paying Sirius any more money, uh, if they said, hey, you can still listen to Sirius XM and you can pick up this category, this catalog of channels and listen to them for free and it'll be ad supported, well, then that'll be nice. I'm sure we would be tuning into something here and there. Um, Again, I mean, ad support is only to take you so far. And again, they still have to contend with. Where the the listeners really are going in in the money, in the listeners, the numbers all tell you. I mean, Spotify and Apple are are where the listeners are going. Sirius has got a lot of work to do to be able to catch up with how user friendly those platforms are. And I will tell you, like. When they offered me that half off, I thought, that's nice, but no. And they said, well, why don't we try month to month? And I said, that's nice, but no. And you want to know why? Because in order to cancel, I'm going to have to call you back. And I'm not doing that ever again.
0: Uh, A couple quick things before we move on. Uh, Shout out to Bob Phelan, who's um, a teacher at uh, Catoctin High School uh, and a listener. Um, This is a high school in Thurmont, Maryland. I got the chance to Uh, on his invitation, uh, go to the high school yesterday and talk with a couple of his classes. They're starting a stock market. Segment. These are you. high school seniors. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Nice job. Of, I thought it was a lot of fun. I, you know, if you ask the students, they might be like, "Oh my god, <laughs> God, that old man was boring and he wouldn't stop talking." But I appreciate it. Um, cool. Uh, and uh, for anyone who's just starting out, uh, we have a free investing starter kit. It covers everything from saving money to four hundred one ks to buying your first stock, and it includes five stocks selected by our investing team, and it's free. And you can get up just by going to fool.com. Starter kit, that's fool.com. slash starter kit. Just put in your email address; we'll send it to you right away. Uh, it's free. it's it's a really good report, I have to say. It is. Shout I've out to it. our colleague uh, Rick Silverman who uh, who made it uh, look as good as it does. Uh, shares of Ralph Lauren are up ten percent today after a better than expected third quarter, and this seems like, among other things, a margin story for Ralph Lauren because through the holiday quarter they were able to uh, keep their prices uh, relatively high
1: i think you're right i think uh they they actually saw a little expansion in gross margin and guided for a little bit uh, higher on the operating margin side for the business uh, for the quarter and, and i think the market's responding to that along with the fact that i mean let's yeah god bless the the power of of low expectations right i mean retail in general is just a really tough space and um and there's a reason why all these apparel companies trade for ten, twelve times earnings. It's just it's a tough space to maintain any sustainable competitive uh, position, and you're always competing on pricing, uh, with the exception of some brands out there that that can that can hold uh, some some sway in the market. And I think that Ralph Lauren, for the most part, is is able to do that to a degree. I mean, I remember growing up, Polo. Uh, that was that was the thing. I mean, that was really a big deal, and, and I you know I, I think it still holds um, water today in, in in the fashion industry, along with all of the other brands that Ralph Lauren uh, produces. But I mean, you have to look at the business itself and think, well, I mean, is this still a business I'd want to be invested in? I I can't say that it necessarily is. I mean, the income statement makes you wonder. Top line's down sixteen percent since two thousand and fifteen. Uh, margins are definitely constantly under pressure. Um, but with that said, I mean, they were able to grow earnings. They do have a a plan in place to try to reinvigorate the business. Downside to that is it's kind of all of the same language you hear from all of these other companies. Oh yeah, we're gonna energize core products and we're gonna lead with digital and become omnichannel. and it's they call it their next great chapter plan. It's nice to see it, uh, but I mean the execution still has to has to be there, and I'm not not uh, so sold on it yet.
0: I wouldn't buy it today, in part because of the rise that we're seeing, but also because. They do a decent amount of business in China and by their own admission there is enough uncertainty in China with their locations there and and the sales that they're doing there that I think that that's that alone puts it on hold. Um, on the flip side, it really does seem to be a brand that's held up over time. I'm not I agree with you that it's always more interesting for us as investors if we get interesting specifics about how, apparel companies are going to move the needle on sales as opposed to things like we're gonna reinvigorate the brand this is a this is a brand with some equity in it I'm a little surprised that it's a nine billion dollar company I wouldn't have guessed it's that big so there is something there I just don't think today is the day to buy
1: probably not and I'm glad you said that because I you know, we talk a lot about these companies you know is this a value play or is this a value trap and in most cases I think these apparel companies, most of the time, they can be value traps. Every once in a while, though, you find a business with some brand power there, and I think this is an example of one where, if you buy it at the right price, there there probably is a nice value play here. Uh, today, today probably isn't the day, uh, but I mean, you know, you look at their balance sheet better than one billion dollars in net cash, and again, they they bumped up expectations on the operating margin side for the for the quarter that we're in now, and I think. At the right price, this could be a fun value investment because again, I mean it is a big company with a rich history, uh, smart leadership, and uh, I think still better days to come, honestly.
0: Before we wrap up on yesterday's show, Mac and Andy and Ron talked about the Super Bowl ads. I enjoyed the conversation and found myself agreeing with the general tone of the conversation with respect to the ads from Amazon, Hyundai, et cetera in part because, and we were talking about this before we came in the studio, in part because I I felt like they did a good job, not just of being humorous, but also of featuring the product. Uh, We were talking to Austin Morgan, and uh, I asked him, what do you think of the ads? And he said, I really like that Jason uh, Momoa commercial, but I can't remember what it's for. (laughs) And I thought, you know what, now that you mention it, I can't remember what it was for either. And I think that's always a trap for those Companies when they're coming up with the creative is like, yeah, that was a funny commercial. I couldn't tell you what that product
1: was. I yeah, I'm drawing a blank. Whereas the now, Hyundai I, Sonata with the Smart Pack, yeah. that's I mean that was great. <laughs> the Ghost Car, I yeah. mean that was that was good. I mean, I think that's to me, and I said this to my wife the evening of watching the game. To me, through the years, I feel like the Super Bowl commercials have jumped the shark. I think they're just. It, it, Abjectly worse today than they were ten years ago. Um, I don't know why that is. I mean, it does seem like we're in a tough creative spell where they're trying to reboot everything, and so maybe that's maybe that that those creative headwinds are are carrying over into commercials as well. But I I do I do agree with you. You start throwing stars in these commercials, and it's like you got to be careful because you may remember the star, but you don't remember what the commercial was for. And I think of the one that had Toby from The Office. And I mean, I love The Office. I cannot remember what the commercial was for. Now, on the flip side, I do remember the Dwight Little Caesars commercial, right? Rain Wilson and the Little Caesars commercial. Maybe that's just because I ate a lot of Little Caesars when I was growing <laughs> up. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, that, that to me, I feel like. Um, yeah, I feel like maybe we've passed the Super Bowl commercials prime, but every once in a while, there are a couple of outliers. The ghost cow was by far and away my favorite. So They
0: mentioned on yesterday's show that those were the top five ads, according to AdMeter. There was one ad that I saw for a publicly traded company, and I thought to myself, If that stock is down on Monday, it's not going to surprise me at all. And the the public company is Intuit, and Intuit is the parent company of TurboTax, because I thought that ad was atrocious, and it ranked 44th on the Ad Meter list. So I felt vindicated seeing that. (laughs) I'm not I'm not wishing anything bad on Intuit shareholders, and in fact the stock was up a half a percent on Monday, something like that. But I just thought, no.
1: Just stop. Now, getting the spot, paying the money—that's only half the job. You still gotta deliver the goods, and that's that's a lot easier said than done.
0: Jason Moser, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about on the Motley Fool. May have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.